Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George and the Deacon Bear in studio, Adam Conk. Deacon How are Bear. you? I'm well. How are you? We've actually gotten some feedback from some listeners. Yeah. Which, by the way, thanks everyone for listening in today on the podcast or on the radio, wherever you are. Great to be with you today. Thanks for being a part of the show. Yeah, a couple of feedback on the name of the show. Okay. You know, we threw it out a few weeks ago, and we've been talking about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about renaming the show for two and a half years. <laughs> but we finally came up with an idea <laughs> yeah. that has sparked people's interest, basically. Okay, right? yeah. Yep, that's right. So, I mean, it was, you know, long story short, like there's been, you know, s- some evolving of the show, mm-hmm. right? When we first started, it was just me doing the show, mm-hmm. and we'd have different producers hop in. There was Casey and the chat, and then you. Oh, Casey. Chad. Yeah. Yeah, Beautiful. yeah. Right. Good memories, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then before that, it was the it was the Paul and pa- Padre and Paul show. That's right. With, with Father Sibley. And, and that was a different show. This is different. But anyway, I just I just kept doing the show, right? Yeah. But you, when you hopped in, uh, because you were working at the station, mm-hmm. um, have been consistent since. Yeah, and that's been, I guess... Three years now. Yeah, so it's not just Paul George show. It's it's like we do the show together. Like the, you know. Well, to be clear, I'm happy to be a participant what, and benefit beneficiary of the Paul George show. Well, it's just the name. Like, there's no like <laughs> just it probably so, feels funny for you. Right? Well, just for our <laughs> our listeners, there's no tension between Adam and I. There's That's no right. there's no like you know he's talking to leadership <laughs> at the station, being like, man, you know, I'm a part of this show and the name's off. You know? That's right. Like the, like we're just we're just friends. Like, we don't even know or care, really, you know, that it has a name. Yeah, that's right. Like, we, we, we do We don't show. think about the name often at all, yeah. But we do think about, like, what it would be if we just named the show together. Basically, mm-hmm. if we started the show a long time ago together, what that's would the right. name be, and why that's couldn't right. we do that? So, all that being said, we thought about Paul and the Bear, which <laughs> you're kind of this bear-looking, you know, beard. <laughs> we threw it out there, you yeah. know. Paul George and the Bear show or something like that. So we've gotten some feedback. Oh, I'd love to hear yeah. it. Yeah. So one of the names I thought was good was uh, Paul and Deacon Bear. Deacon Bear. Mm. That's so funny. I mean, it's almost three years since I was ordained, and I didn't think the possibility of the nickname Deacon Bear was there. But now that it's happened, it kind of feels good. The, the older you get, Deacon the more Bear. bearish you're going to look. Yeah, I like to become more Deacon Bear. More Deacon Bear. Yes. Yeah. 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 That sounds good. So Paul and Paul and Deacon Bear. I don't know. That that's one of the the renditions, I guess you I like it. I like the logo. Is that the right word? You know, it could be you with your bear. I'm imagining a bear with a collar. <laughs> that's pretty good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna put some artwork out there. <laughs> I am. I'm gonna do it. I mean, I'm not personally. I'm gonna have someone. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I don't even know how to. I'd love to see your napkin drawing of that. Yeah, you. Would... <laughs> yeah. I usually do it on like a whiteboard, a big tablet. I I, I do like visually draw yeah. a lot. Oh, know? really? But not like, not like, like if picture. someone comes in the office and we're doing like consulting or like one on one stuff. Mm. I do draw out images or like words, not, nice. not like you, you know. I don't. I'm not an artist. I'm just talking about like visually. Like stick figures. Things. Like in this case, would it be a stick figure with bear teeth. Would that be me? Yeah. Like here's the okay. idea. Like right, I'm right, like right. here's the idea. Can yeah, you? I'm make a stick that figure guy for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, um, we got that. We're gonna move you know forward with it. So Paul right. and Deacon Bear. Mm-hmm. All right. As we start the show, 
um, as always, usually we have a have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? This is exciting news. I can't wait. Have you seen this? Well, obviously I haven't <laughs> because the whole point of this is that I haven't seen it. Okay, you've heard of... Uh, well, let me, let me back up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You've heard of this, like, let's say, cancel culture, woke movement thing? I've heard those words, yes. All right. And I'm not going to get into all that. This is not the beginning of a tirade, I promise. I don't even know how to get into but it. But the so basic it, idea good. is that the movement, part of the movement, part of it, is that we look back on the names we use for things or, like, decisions we made and we say, oh, that's uh, that's not... That's not the best. That wasn't the best choice. We, we need to rename it. Yeah. We're just going right. to cancel it, end it, right. start over. Even if it's good or bad. But it the name matter. is bad. Like some, sometimes yeah. they don't, we don't even think about it. Right. And not trying to get into any particular situation right now at all. But just this idea that let's go back, look at something that was named improperly, and rename it something that's less offensive or proper. Right? Okay. All right. So in, in Europe right now, there's a movement. Mm-hmm. For renaming the fire ant. Ooh, because it's offensive. Or what? Apparently. Mm. Fire ant. Fire ant. Fire ant. That it's it's it creates a stigma for the ant. Oh. Now have you ever been bit by a fire ant? <clears throat> I have, yeah. Fire ants are big here, you know, piles and I'm I remember as kids, like you run around barefooted, you accidentally step in a fire ant pile and you can get smoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean it is fire. Like it feels like you're on fire. Yeah. Well, I think people just kind of think this gives it gives the ants a bad rap. Mm. Well, we are, we do live in a culture, and we, we had a segment a few you know episodes ago where a guy dressed as a wolf, uh, a lamb, sheep, a, a sheep, sheep. Mm-hmm. but not like as a Mardi Gras or a, a no, Halloween. No. Like he he lived as a sheep for he three was days, identifying as a sheep. Yeah, <laughs> to get away from his his human right. anxiety. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I guess the term fire ant, it's like, oh, that sounds so intimidating, so whatever. But yeah. these are these are creatures, and they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. So four and a half million signatures strong is this petition to rename the fire ant to a specific name. Like? You ready for this? Yes. This is awesome. Okay. Spicy boy. <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> I'm this not is joking. Not, this is not even a thing. <laughs> no, it's a thing. To and rename them as spicy boys. I think people are signing the petition as a joke. Well, probably 3.75 million are. Like if you brought it to me and it just said that <laughs> spicy what boy? Spicy boys. I would just cite it just <laughs> just because to make it happen. Sounds like a boy band. Yeah. Yeah. Which is offensive to boy bands, by the way. That's right. I mean, some of them are neither boys nor bands. So, yeah. But anyway, uh spicy boys. Hmm. To to give them kind of a a jovial character, right? Like hmm. A friendly nature, spicy boys. Yeah, and yeah, they're they're a little spicy. Wow, but um, well, that, that's kind of where we're at these days. <laughs> it is weird. Like you, you do try to navigate through this <clears throat> woke cancel sort of culture that has been termed, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you know, we go through all these all these things. Like like there's statues being removed. Okay, like that was one of the the trends, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe some of the statues that were removed, you're like, yeah, that's not a good statue, right? Like it stands for something that's not good, right? Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening in the whole process of the removal of statues, right? 
is that there's no logic in which ones are good and which ones are bad. Mm-hmm. It just became all statues. Like, so, so like, like, er, like just every statue was being removed. And then it got to the point where it was like started to infiltrate into the church, right? Like mm-hmm. there were people who were like, oh, we don't want a saint statue in our town or our city or outside the church. Right. So they were just, you know, going after petitions or even illegally removing a saint statue, which that saint was peaceful and beautiful and just stand for for good things and love and loving God and loving neighbor. And it's like, no, we don't like that. Mm-hmm. So at what point, you know, does like someone who doesn't believe in God as an atheist is like, I don't want that statue, right? Like you can, you can have one person in the world, not like one thing. And now it becomes a thing. Yeah. And in an environment like that, where let's, let's topple everything that has meaning. It gets replaced with things that don't have meaning. Nothingness. Like, let's put a statue up that literally means nothing. People no. look at it and they're like, what is that? Yeah, the, <laughs> just abstracts. So, abstracts. So what will end up happening in, in our culture is abstracts. Abstract paintings, abstract art, abstract statues, where you can self-interpret what it means. Exactly. You give it the meaning. You give it the meaning, right? Mm-hmm. I which mean, is it, not why we have statues. Which is not why we have really anything of meaning. Yeah. You know, it would be like reading scripture, the Bible, or the commandments, God's word, and it just being an abstract interpretation, mm-hmm. right? And we do see that in Christianity. Oh, yeah. Self-interpretation, you know, just, you're like, how did you get that out of that? Like, that has nothing to do, you know, as well as self-revelation, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. it's what it means to me. And I'll hear this all the time, talking mm-hmm. with people, is, well, truth is is whatever is true to me. And I'm like, no, actually, that's not what truth is, you know? Yeah, like someone put up that statue for a reason with, with a particular purpose, and I can't somehow deny that objective reality just by willing that into being. You know, I can't just deny history. I can't just deny purpose and meaning and truth outside of me just because I feel like it, right? Um, there has to be logic in it. There has to be uh, truth in it. And there are some things that represent evils, yeah, uh, racism, hatred, yep. not love of people, that when they were obstructed or put up, didn't care about That's those right. things. And those things do need to be removed or right. not But the question is replaced by what, right? Right. And so if it's, it's a movement to topple everything with meaning then we're going to replace it with non-meaning. Yeah, and yeah, and that's that's the whole whole point is that truth isn't uh simply subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, um that that there's there's got to be truth, there's got to be reality. Like there has to be meaning, there has to be purpose, and all that has to be foundational uh <clears throat> somewhere, right? Yeah. Like we I mean, and like we do live in the world, like, and we're not just talking about make believe, where people literally will say, I feel like I'm a sheep. So therefore, right. I am. Like, I'm not making that up. Like, That's they, true. we're reading news or stories, and I feel like I'm a cat, or I feel like I'm a different race than what I am. And so therefore, I am. And you're like, no, logically or truthfully, you're not. Mm-hmm. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Mm hmm. Right, like yeah. I can, I can think that gravity doesn't exist, and I cannot want it to exist. I cannot believe in it, 
and I cannot like it. I can even hate gravity, but it doesn't make it go away. Right. Right. Like if I jump off a building, as much as I hate or don't believe gravity, I'm going to fall. And that's so important for peace and happiness in our life that we recognize that the meaning of my life is not something I'm going to invent. God has given me the meaning. Right. Like our marriage. What does marriage mean? What marriage means to me doesn't particularly matter unless what marriage means to me is in line with what marriage means to God. Mm -hmm. He invented it. And so the meaning of marriage comes from God. And if I'm going to cooperate with that, then I'm going to find peace and happiness and a source of life. But if I keep trying to force my meaning on my marriage, it's like trying to tear down the statue. It's just the anger, the resentment, the bitterness to keep trying to tear it down, tear it down, tear it down, rather than accept and be grateful for what's there that God put there. You know, marriage, it means something. It, it does. It represents something. It means something. But... If you don't base it on a foundational truth, the mm -hmm. foundation, foundational truth of God, then it then it really loses its meaning. So you could say anything. You can make up what your marriage means. You're like, right. oh, marriage is between, you know, three people. Yep. Four Man, people. That growing trend is so troubling. You know, it, marriage is between, you know, two people who live together but have other partners outside. Of, you can make up any meaning of your marriage, but it doesn't make it true. Right. It doesn't make it reality. And, and, and here's the thing. This isn't. This isn't like, oh, to have check boxes and like these these strict guardrails, like we don't have freedom. Actually, living in, in God's truth actually sets us free to be fully who we are, fully alive, right? Mm -hmm. So when I align my marriage with God's image of marriage, that's when I find the most freedom in my marriage, the most joy in my heart, because it's what I desire deeply. Is it is it always easy? Is it difficult to get there? Yeah, all those things. Like that's why like Marriage is difficult. That's why we see so many in. But like, the point being is that God's truth about marriage doesn't change whether or not I buy into it or not. That's right. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. God doesn't change whether I buy into him or not. Scripture doesn't change. The commandments, the fulfillment of that, the fulfillment of Christ in Scripture, none of those things change. God's revelation doesn't change whether I buy into it or not. God's not sitting around saying, well, if Paul buys into it, then it's going to happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and God's not designing things based on our input. That's not how free will thank, works. Thank God. <laughs> it's not a committee, right? Like right. It's, not like, it's not like heaven's a committee where, um, hey, let's, let's discuss with Paul his plans for his life, and let's, let's make sure everybody feels good about it, and let's move forward, you know? Yeah, and God's not some, like... <laughs> authoritarian dictatorship right like, right like he is a loving god who who has set us free to love him back he's right? a father he is a father and he gave us his son to fulfill uh this love relationship right between humanity and him to give us the holy spirit and when we live in that reality and truth we find the freedom that we were designed for right that's right and i think we can all admit when we find <clears throat> times of like real stress or worry or anxiety or drift is when we drift off from that meaning mm -hmm. and we get off course and then we start grabbing and grasping for other things that might fulfill us, right? Can I be a little vulnerable And right then now? we justify it. Can I be a little vulnerable? Sure. All right. That's what we're about. That's what we're about here. So I've been a deacon almost three years, mm -hmm. right? And I do a lot of baptisms. Yeah. And uh, I told myself, look, I'm going to give the same homily 
at every baptism till I see the first face repeated, right? So the first face that I've seen at a baptism that I've already done mm-hmm. and given the same homily, that's when I'm going to switch it up and do a different homily. Okay. It's been almost three years. It hasn't happened yet. Okay. Okay. So I've been given the same baptism homily for almost three years with some regularity. And here's that homily. Okay. But mm-hmm. it's a simple idea. When Jesus takes the child, puts it in the midst, because uh, the, the disciples are rebuking the children that are messing with Jesus preaching, and they're like, get away, you know, we don't need you. You're in the way. And he says, no. And he takes the child and says, unless you become like this child, you can't enter the kingdom. And it's when we think we're so grown up enough that we get to decide our life, we get to give it meaning, we get to lay out the plan, mm. that we get off course. And we become like the disciples who are actually keeping kids from Jesus. Can you imagine? Mm. And you can say, how could that happen? How could anyone who's a disciple ever tell someone, don't go to Jesus. Mm. Well, it's because they were so grown up that they had their own plan, their own design. And that's why the Lord rebukes them and says, no, you, be, you need to be more like this child who depends on me for everything, depends on parents for everything. Mm. And that's who Jesus is, who says, I didn't come to say what I wanted to say, but only what the Father tells me to say, or do what I w- want to do, but only what the Father gives me to do. That's where we find the freedom and the joy of children. And that's why today... On this baptism, God places this baby in our midst who didn't dress itself, didn't come to church on its own, didn't do anything, but is very happy right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let God be the father of our life. Let him give it its meaning. Let him give it its purpose, its plan. That's where freedom is. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to be a child than an adult. I'll tell you what. Amen to that. Okay. Um, Paul George and Deacon Bear here, and we're going <laughs> to take a quick break. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844 844- Three eight seven eight five three three. Welcome back to the show, Paul George Deacon Bear in studio. I'm going to keep using the name until it just it just sticks completely. How does it make you feel? Like, like, what is the the the? It feels like like I'm being reborn. Does it feel good, know? natural? Like, do you have a nickname? Is there some tension? I have a ton of names. Like, like what? But nothing like the bear. Like, I'm not I, like you're P Jitty. That's mm. that's something. But nothing like, like PG an animal PG. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like a freedom. It's like I'm being reborn. It's I'm like discovering it's myself. like it just feels right. Yeah, it's like I'm a bear, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. I mean, we're just gonna have to redesign the logo of the show and just just do it. Just just say it is what it is. Sounds like a plan to me. <clears throat> I wonder if any listeners might want to send some like stick figure drawings of what a logo might look like. <laughs> <laughs> Don't no stick figure. We want actual. Oh, so you want talent? Okay, we want All actual right. uh, renderings of the okay. of this this whole deal. Sounds you know? good. Paul and Deacon Bear. Yeah, you know it's interesting. You were talking about uh, the Have You Seen article. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and there's actually <laughs> there's actually 
two petitions within one petition? Like they started fighting within the petition? Yeah, as often happens in life, I got something wrong on the story. Not so, all the way right. Not all the way right, right. Mm-hmm. So there's a petition to make it Spicy Boys. Because From Fire Ants to Spicy, fire and spicy boys. boys. But the real woke story is the counter petition because Spicy Boys is offensive. Because not all of them are boys. Not all the ants are boys. Right. And um, Spicy people? So there's, there's a counter petition. But they're not people. But the Spicy Boy petition is by far in the lead. Okay. Yeah. So the people want spicy boys. Okay. Which I think is cool. Like, hey, that's but this is like to officially change the name in the books from Fire Ant to Spicy Boys. Hmm. Which uh I'm okay with. I think it'd be fun. Well, I mean, we are seeing a lot of this is you know, we kind of laugh about this, but like, you know, there's like new definitions of like man, woman. I've heard about that. In fact, the article Marriage. cites like, 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 36 genders. Why would we call them spicy boys? That's the counter petition. Okay. 36 is this, this counter petitions count of genders. Right. Which is a lot. Yeah. A but lot then, more than But two. then we're like all of a sudden redefining <clears throat> human. Yes. You know, like we're redefining like all, all these things, you know, well, based yeah. on just what I believe. Like, so if, if I'm not comfortable with the definition of human and I just say, well, I don't have a soul. Mm-hmm. So I don't want that to be included in in the definition of human, right? That offends me. Well, the reality is I have a soul. There's nothing I can do. Like I'm born yeah. with a soul. It's done. You know, like we have a body, a soul, and intellect. Like you know, that's what makes us different than the spicy boys, the mm-hmm. ants, right? Ants are creatures. They just they have no soul, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean. So, so you could be offended by the definition of human, but it doesn't change the fact that that's the reality, right? Yeah. So, like, the, so, so I, I, I mean, I, I assume we'll be in a day and a time where we just won't even like the dictionary won't even be relevant to reality. Well, the dictionary just becomes a bunch of statues, uh, which are offensive, and so we just start burning dictionaries and replace it with, I don't know, something meaningless like. Uh, a book with no words. Well, I you guess. have a, a, a young person, a, a man or a woman, who says, you know, I really want to <clears throat> continue to discover who I fully am as a, as a woman or a man. Mm-hmm. And, and you look up the definition. And, <laughs> and then it just says, a man is whoever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. A woman is whoever you want it to be. Well, then you just, well, then you're just like the guy who's like, oh, I'm going to be a sheep. You could be literally like, <laughs> right. you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. at what point is there no truth into any definition of anything? And and that yeah. could be ants, it could be animals, it could be humans, it could be um, objects, it could be anything that it's just like, no, like we're going to actually not define anything as reality. You can make up any definition of anything you want, an object, a thing, a person, an animal, anything. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so back to the statue thing statues, images, icons, they represent something you can't see by something you can see, right? So let's say, let's take something benign, but like uh, the Washington Monument, Mm -hmm. right? Why would we make a huge monument to George Washington? Why would we do that? Because none of us see George Washington anymore. We've never seen him. He's dead. I have no idea. I didn't see what he did. I didn't hear what he said. Do you know George Washington and I... This is so random. Paul George Washington. Well, I mean, no. We share the same birthday. You're kidding. No, I mean, it just happens to be true. 
Wow. Now I can make it not true. <laughs> and I can pretend like my birthday is on a different day. Some people do that. You know? Yeah. But the reality is there was a day that I was born and I can't change that. <laughs> now I can pretend like I wasn't and I can tell my parents I want another birthday. And they would look at me and be like, well, I mean, that's weird. Yeah. But you were actually born on this date. That'll never change. Yeah. But you can, you know. So we put up this monument to George Washington who really lived, who really did things, who really said things. Mm -hmm. Which we may or may not agree with everything he did or said. Right. But the monument's there to be something we can see, to represent something Mm -hmm. we can't see. Well, the soul... Which we, we talked about having statues in churches last week. Right. You know, sort of this representation of things we can't see, right? Right. Well, the soul has a statue. It's the body. Hmm. The thing we can't see has a sign, hmm. a symbol that we can see. Mm-hmm. It's the body. And this theology of the body that John Paul II unrolled and reminded the church of, but also vastly deepened... Hmm. This is a key component of that, Hmm. is that there's a lot to being human that can't be seen. There's a lot. There's a lot to you and me that can't be seen or measured in a microscope or manipulated. Right. And it is represented in the material world by our body. And so being a man, being a woman, is deeper than skin deep. It's, it's represented, it's representing something that's true of us that can't be seen. And when we literally tear that statue down and start cutting up that body and start denying that meaning, we are forgetting and sacrificing and destroying what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no way around that. The body reveals what it means to be human. Hmm. And... Um, we are in an age where we're tearing that body down on purpose yeah. as a society. We're tearing, tearing everything, like real meaning down. You know, it's interesting, the, the gospel that we're going to hear this Sunday, um, Jesus talks like, so if you look at the last few weeks, like you talked about, like Jesus talked about like your, your life can't be under a bushel basket, right? The light mm-hmm. has to shine. And then we had the Beatitudes, right? Like the commandments <clears throat> on the Sermon of the Mount. So the Beatitudes of like this fulfillment of the commandments. Mm -hmm. This is the way you want to live them, right? So these commandments are like the Old Testament, you know, list of ways to obey God, right? To do right, to be righteous, right with God. And they're good. We still look at them and believe them and and live by them. And Jesus is putting the the flesh on those, like the the in-between, the the marrow and the bone, uh, if you want to. Uh, put it that way, when he talks about the, the the Beatitudes is this is how you live them in freedom. This is how you love people. This is how you have mercy. This is how you forgive, right? And this Sunday you're going to hear like this statement where Jesus says, uh, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. I didn't come to abolish the the old law or like to do away with the 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 Ten Commandments and the Old Covenant. Or the prophets, he says, I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I am the fulfillment of the old covenant. I am here to bring freedom in how you live. The commandments is not this is this checklist. It's it's a life of total surrender to God, right? And in that, like in relationship with Christ, he he fulfills in us our full meaning, 
of who we are, right? As man, as woman, in our marriage, in our, in our single life, in, in our work, in everything, as Christ reigns in our heart, he fulfills who we fully are created to be. We come to know ourselves through Christ. This is the beauty of that. And in that fulfillment of the old into the new, Jesus gives us the ability now to walk in total freedom away from the things that hinder us, our thoughts, our sins, our ways of living, all those things. It's the beauty of it. Yeah, I love that. And it, it's, it seems so simple, but it really is. I mean, G, in Jesus, St. Paul says, the fullness of the Godhead, that which we could never see, dwells bodily, that which we can see. Like St. John said, we've seen his face, we've heard his voice. Like the amazing humility of God that he doesn't come to destroy anything, but reveal its deeper meaning. Like he is the statue of the Old Testament, let's say. Like he, he in person reveals to us salvation history reveals to us everything God ever said. Like it's found in Jesus in fullness. He is the meaning of it all Mm -hmm. dwelling bodily. So we could hear him. We could touch him. We could see him. So people are asking like, okay, what's the solution to all this? Like what's the solution for my confusion? What's the solution for the world's confusion? What's the solution to truth, reality, right? Finding meaning, finding my purpose, looking in the mirror and knowing my identity and who I am or, knowing the meaning of my marriage, like what is the answer? Like we're we talking about all this. What's the answer? The answer is Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus reigning and living in our hearts, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to us who we are fully, getting to know ourselves through the lenses of Christ, right? To love ourselves the way God created us. That's the solution. People don't always want to do that or hear that, but why? Because it at the end of the day, pride, they don't want to surrender. They, mm-hmm. you know, like ego, like all these things that are like, no, I want to do my own thing. And Jesus is just sitting here saying like, but you'll find true freedom in me, like real freedom in me. And and that's the beauty of it. So that's, we, we have the answer to the equation, the complex equation of life. It boils down to the simple solution, Christ. Yeah. He reigns. Right, And when he lives the throne of our life and our heart and does the work inside of us, we find full meaning and purpose in who we are. I mean, that's, that's kind of the beauty of it. Okay, uh, not shifting gears, but shifting gears. <clears throat> Actually, this week, I kind of outdid you. Uh-oh. Outdid the bear. Uh-oh. Yep, I have a weird Catholic stuff. What? Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah, it is. You know what? You Catholics are some weird folks. You have no idea. I like you, but you're a little odd. I got something for you today. Well, you're friendly, but something's off. Weird Catholic stuff. Okay, so here's the weird thing. Okay, so like some people know this, some people don't. And when I say it, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. All right, so it's a weird thing within a weird thing. Okay, we talk a lot about the saints on the show, like historical figures that were not fictional characters, but real life people. That's right. Who lived their life for God and gave their life to Christ. And and we're talking about them hundreds, two hundreds, five hundreds, thousands of years later, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have a, a history of them, of their stories, of their meaning. Okay. Okay. Here's the weird thing. One weird thing. There's two weird things. Is that as Catholics, we 
automatically somehow someone I don't know who does assigns um, to a saint sort of what they're the intercessor for, mm-hmm. right? What would you call that? Like the patron. They're the patron. Or yes. Patroness. Yeah. Or the patroness, right? So automatically they become a patron of certain things because of their life. Now you thought about that. Like who assigns that? Like who, who sits down and been like, who okay, makes it official? Deacon Adam died. Okay. 10 years later, this guy's a saint. Patron of bears. Who's the patron of? Well, we're going to look back at his life and like what he did and his writings, you know, like, and then we're going to kind of align some things and say, well, now, you know, he's obviously the patron of big families. (laughs) He's the patron of owners of 12 passenger vans. Yeah. He's the patron of, you know, whatever. And you're going to be assigned something that like, Maybe somebody else has, so they're gonna have to mm-hmm. find something else. So bears, but mm-hmm. anyway, somebody does that, and they've been doing this for like centuries, right? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So there's a patron for everything. So if you're suffering with something, or you know, no, no. okay, that's just weird in itself. Like if you're, if you know, there's patron of everything. Patron of like we found out one week that there was a patron of beards. Yes, who's a woman? Who's a woman? <laughs> That was quite a story. That I mean, you got to go back and listen to that show. That was probably one of the funniest <laughs> moments. I think you and I both are just like, what just happened? <laughs> okay. So so this week, and this is how funny like and weird Catholics are. Like how, how you get assigned to be a patron of something. Okay. Saint Apollina. Okay. Um, this saint uh, goes back all the way to, she died in 249. So way back. So like this is, you know, we're talking about her a couple thousand years later. They're like, yeah. where are we? I don't even know what Just year. Just about. It's 2023. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, she's been dead a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So pagans entered, you know, Alexander, Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. And around this time, and Christians fleed. She refused not to flee. She's like, no, I ain't going anywhere. Okay. Um, and so... Um, Apollina was seized. The crowds beat her, knocking out her teeth. Oh boy. They just, boom, beat her up, knocked her teeth out. So she's lost her teeth. You know, like. Poor thing. Yeah. I mean, think about that. I mean, she's like, this is like not funny, but it's like kind of like, you know, we can look back and be like, wow, that actually happened. But wow, it's kind of funny. Then they lit a large fire and threatened to throw her in it if she did not curse God. Mm-hmm. Like abandon God. I mean, these are the powerful stories, right? Uh, she begged them to wait a moment, acting as if she was going to like deny God and run away. Instead, she jumped willingly into the flame and suffered martyrdom. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to guess what she's patron of. Okay, so coming up with some silly now, things now, based on that story. She goes way back to like the time of Saint Augustine explained her voluntary mortem as a special inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I remember that. No yeah. one is allowed to cause his or her own death. Like she yeah. she knew like they were gonna push her in. Like she was, you know, you know, gonna, you know, die, you know. Um, okay, so I'm remembering that now because in City of God he was talking about that because there was that saying so Apollina's her name yeah and then at the round around the time of Augustine which was later there was these um, women who a group of women did a similar thing by these men trying to rape a group of women they mm-hmm. went to a cliff they were like running from them went to a cliff there was nowhere else to go so they jumped off the cliff right they he was gonna... making this argument about how they were actually martyrs 
Yeah. So yeah. Apollina, just to bring it full circle, is the patroness of oh man dentists. Okay, uh, that's okay. People yeah. suffering. So they assign her this. She just yeah. got assigned. She didn't ask for the assignment. Here's the thing: saints don't ask for the assignment; they get assigned. That's right. People suffering from a toothache. So if that's you today, Oof. or if you're a dentist listening, you mm-hmm. know we have a wonderful dentist who sponsors our show. Wonderful. Um, dental diseases, mm-hmm. and um, she's pictured with a pair of pincers holding a tooth, or with a golden tooth suspended from her necklace. A golden tooth? Yeah, suspended mm-hmm. from a necklace? Yeah, that's like her image. Yeah, that is something. This is like <laughs> amazing. She was way ahead of her time before we had like fancy grills. Yeah. Gold teeth, you know? Things hanging from our mirrors, mm-hmm. whatever. Wow. You know? Apollina. Apollina. Poor thing. So if you're missing a tooth, <laughs> you got your teeth knocked out, you wear dentures, you've had some dental issues, braces. Mm-hmm. See, I wish I would have known about Apollina when I had my braces. Well, now you I could have been praying for her for like a, <laughs> just a, you know, offering my suffering of braces along with her as she got yeah. her teeth knocked out for the gospel. Well, be assured she was praying for you. You think you know so? What I'm saying? I think so. I, mm. I mean, look. I didn't ask her to, though. I don't know how heaven works exactly. Sounds like a, a really, whatever the system is up there, I'm sure it's really well ordered. But I imagine when you're assigned on earth as a patron of something, in heaven, there's like at least some kind of game plan, you know? Um, Apollina, you've been assigned by Pope so-and-so to the whole mouth area. It's like anything anything going on there, that's you. Right. And Apollina's got time and energy in heaven. Yep. So she's not like dropping the ball on anything. No, I so. mean she's most remembered for her bravery. Yes. For not denying God. Yes. For standing against persecution, which, you know, we we all face. Mm-hmm. You know, in the church's sense of humor, Apollina is honored as the patron saint of dentist and teeth and <clears throat> you having your teeth Oh, one is like her teeth was were extracted without anesthetic. <laughs> but surely, a very specific she's patronage. a patron of someone who stood her before her persecutors. Right, right. right? Well, like, and bravely. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so there you go. Like that's the weird. That's the weird thing. That is weird. All right, Saint Apollina. Yeah. Pray for us. Pray. Pray for us. Pray for Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul and George Deacon Bear in studio. Just has a great ring to it. And it's uh, set in stone. We're going <laughs> to do Just like it. that. Just like that. There's it, a statue put up and everything. You know, the, 
uh, Saints just get assigned what they're patron of. You just got to sign the name, and you don't have a choice. Let's it's just it. kind of how it works sometimes. In yeah, life. I'm embracing it. I will not fight it. Yeah. So here's the deal. We're gonna like divvy out the work of this. Okay. I'm gonna talk to you know we're gonna we're gonna delegate and we're gonna share responsibility. Okay. Um, I'm gonna talk to someone about a a little design. Okay. Okay, and you're gonna figure out like how do we put it up. Yeah, how do we actually change the name or of the podcast? Yeah, sure. And we'll meet. We'll be back next week and report. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll okay. meet back and report our progress. Okay. You know. So that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited it. about it. I mean, we we have momentum. Sometimes you just have to make a decision and, and, <laughs> and move on. Uh, and there we go. Interesting conversations today. You know, kind of all over, but. Um, <clears throat> good show. Thanks everyone for listening, being a part of the show, the podcast, wherever you are. Um, uh, the radio, KLFT radio here in Acadiana. So generously being a part of this radio station is amazing. And, uh, so yeah, thanks everyone. Continue to share the show. All right. Uh, I don't think we did this last week, so we're going to circle back into this segment. Uh, six pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So we began the show talking about uh, Spicy Boys. I'm going to just start calling them that. I'm, the I'm embracing it. The fire ants. I'm, a, I'm offended. <laughs> well, and I asked you. Well, here's the thing about ants is like, I, yeah, I don't know much about ants. So, okay, go ahead. Well, I asked you if you've ever been bitten by fire ants. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah. Of course. So I need to hear the worst fire ant story you got. Like, tell me when it was the worst. Well, I don't remember. The, I just know that growing up, in small town and you know we just ran around with no shoes on Mm -hmm. like as kids but like in louisiana in the summer like ant piles are everywhere and they're pretty huge right oh yeah and even to the point i don't know if you've ever seen this like if you get a lot of rain like a lot of rain like it's flooding a little like the ditches are filling up or the yard like these ant piles will actually float the ants will cling together i've never seen that so like not the mud but like the ants will like actually all join together and they'll serious? float on top of the water. Like an ant raft? Yes. I've never mean, seen that. No. I'm going to find it for you. I, I mean, it was all the time. Like, the, and look, I, I lived on like a, like a in the country where the, spicy there, were di- there were ditches. There weren't like drains. There were mm-hmm. ditches. So like you would see this, you know? Yeah. I had no <clears> idea. But I remember vividly accidentally stepping in a pile. They bite you, they hurt, but you would get these little, not only the bite marks, but they were almost like these little pimples mm-hmm. from the ant bites. Man, mm-hmm. spicy boys are tough. All right, so we talked about uh, a little bit. Now, this is this is intentionally a show geared towards practical living and mm-hmm. not towards kind of like the s- stuff out there. Right, because right? bears are very practical. Right. <laughs> well, I say that because that's why we... Uh, Anyway, when we talk about this idea of woke, cancel culture, um, that kind of thing, well, there is a very practical application, right? And so I'm sure as you're working with young people in particular that have kind of like swimming in all of this, hmm. that you've become kind of verse at like kind of challenging, let's say, the woke movement or the cancel culture when it comes to practical living and like your life. And well, we might be getting it wrong, getting it right. What are you seeing as as like maybe some challenges that 
as especially for young people as we're swimming in this woke culture all around us like just to live a good life means we got to accept truth for what it is um how do you how do you help young people particular do that you know mm-hmm. and not try to like rechange everything and rewrite everything yeah i mean i don't deal with young people a lot i deal with my kids mm-hmm. right so i got everything from like an out of college kid to college kids to high school kid to elementary kid and you know, like I deal with my own kids and then I deal with their friends or whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it's the age old question, whether it, it was kids growing up in my day or kids growing up today, um, you know, the culture today has just more access to the negative media and mm-hmm. to the negative side of like the culture and what people think back in the day, we just didn't, people, th- you know, always had like different, you know, views, but like, it was just like, where are you going to put it? You know, you're going to write on a piece of paper and put it in a, a pigeon, let it fly around. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, so it's, it's really the, the hardest part is like, it's always been about helping someone understand who they are, their identity as God's sons and daughter, mm-hmm. as, as who God created him to be. Um, that, that's, that's thousands of years. That's creation from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. That's always been the purpose, particularly as parents is to help your kids to really know who they are, to love them, and to nurture them. And kids who are, are nurtured and loved don't really struggle as much with their identity. Mm. You know, like they have this this foundational nurturing home and love. So that's the most important thing. The difference today is fighting sort of this cultural trend of everything online and social media that's saying all these weird things and <clears throat> helping your kids sort of navigate through all these things that are being said that they hear all the time, right? All right, question three is a follow-up. You know, like I yeah. have a kid come home and be like, hey, I saw on, on you know, Instagram that I could be a sheep for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sounds good to like me. that is an actual thing that they can maybe see. And you're like, well, you're not a sheep. Why? Well, you know, you're not created as an animal. Like you have to go through. Whereas back in the day is like, you know, like you never would have, they would have never had access to like thinking, oh, I could become a sheep. <clears throat> All right, question. And, and we joke around, but like people are doing it. People that. are doing it. Okay, so question three is a follow up. So part of that negativity you're talking about is we can start to be ashamed of our identity in certain ways just because there's a lot of pressure to be ashamed, whether it's our, our race, our sex, mm-hmm. our um, religion. Like there's. We're afraid to be fully who we are. So tell me about this this um, phenomenon of like self shame and. and and what what gets people out of that, right? Like if I, that identity you were just talking about embracing includes all of who I am, right? Hmm. And when people are ashamed of some aspect of themselves, like tell me about that. How do we get over that? I mean, here's the thing. I mean, look, we have to be loving and pastoral to people who are struggling in their identity or who are different. Like, man, I love everyone. Like it, it, it just, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I can't, I can't deny who I am in that process. The best thing for me is for and for you is for us to live in freedom and who, who we are. We can't deny that and we can't be ashamed of that. And if for some reason that makes someone feel uncomfortable, then then uh, you know we we can't put it on us unless we are being like hateful or mean about it, which you know most people aren't. They're not doing that. You know, but the best way that we can help people is like, 
for us to be comfortable and embrace who we are, the person that God made us to be. When we live in that freedom, that speaks of God to the world, to the culture. And when we love people the way God loves us, then, then we, we begin to actually help people rediscover who they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, question number four. So we talked about, in all that context, this idea of being offended by reality, offended by truth. I remember a previous episode that I enjoyed. You, you were sharing some wisdom on there's a, there's a good way to be offended, like, like the way the Lord offends us, where there's something about us that is offensive, and then we're called to conversion and something better. So what's the difference, right? Like what, it, what is offense that's not helpful, but a, and then offense that is? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, when you, you know, Jesus came to proclaim the truth. I mean, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. When he started revealing fully who he was, you know, the Jewish authorities would have nothing of it. You mm-hmm. know, they were offended by this truth, this revelation. It was new. It was, you know, uh, sometimes the truth, like when, when it, truth does set us free, but when it hits us, it, it may be uncomfortable. It may hurt a little, you know? So if my wife comes to me and says, the way that you've been acting has hurt me, that is true, then I either A, can deny it, or I can accept it, right? Mm-hmm. Both of them hurt. If I deny it, then I continue my behavior. If I accept it, then I have to change my behavior. And that's the thing about truth, is that either we accept it and we change, or we <clears throat> reject it and we continue our behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the tension of truth, but truth really ultimately is meant to set us free. I mean, it's not something to reject. It, it is the beauty of God's love for us that sets us free on the path to become fully who we are. I don't even know if I answered your question. You did. But no, you did. Because, I mean, the, the offense that sets us free is great. And the offense that keeps us shackled because we use that as an excuse like I'm offended so I'm not going to actually face the truth mm-hmm. just enslaves us right Right. and so people think they're so free because they're so mad at everything because they're so offended I don't know if being angry feels free I guess right if you're just mad all the time you're like you know I'm, I'm, I'm being honest at least <laughs> I don't know right but that's not real freedom no no, no, no. And, and speaking truth not in love is, is not what Jesus did either. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't say, like, I'm going to speak truth and, like, be hateful about it. Right. Like, you're not just going to walk up to someone who's struggling with whatever in their life, their identity, their, their marriage or anything, and be like, you are doing horrible. That may be true. They may not be doing good. Mm-hmm. But you don't just, you know, like, you don't speak truth not in love because it, then it then it has the adverse effect of setting one free. Truth, like if my wife comes to me and says, your behavior hurts my feelings, she says it in love, then I have more of an opportunity to embrace the reality of what she's saying. Mm -hmm. If she says it in hate or in anger, then what it causes is for me to not look at the truth of my actions. Mm -hmm. And then I just want to fight back and place blame. So like 
we, we you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like when we talk about truth and love, I think people misinterpret that as like, uh, too much love and no truth, you know, like mm-hmm. too much except, you know, like it's both. It's, it's this beautiful truth that sets us free in a loving way that helps someone embrace it. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. <clears throat> like, the, like the bear. Like the bear. Like the truth. Embrace the bear. The truth is, this is the name that we're going with. You spoke with. the truth. Uh, all right, question number five. So we talked about this this movement to destroy men and men and women, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. And I know you've thought about and shared and taught about um, this theology of the body and these ideas of how important it is, masculinity, femininity. So help help us understand how man and woman is so fundamentally important to us, maybe more than other aspects of our identity, like race, ethnicity, um, nationality, how like something so deep uh, of value is man and woman. Help us understand that. Well, I mean, at the very <clears throat> genesis of that, right? Is, Pun intended? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is that man and woman reveal who God is. Well, you said it. Right? There you go. Like when we fully embrace who we are, the, the beauty of our femininity, our beauty of our masculinity, the beauty of who we are as man and woman, we become God's image to the world because he created us in his image. That is a just beautiful thing, right? Mm. And when, when we struggle with that and fight that, like we reject that or whatever the case may be, I mean, we, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's where we, we find the tension. But at the end of the day, it, it is just embracing the beauty of who God made us to be. So you just dropped that bomb there. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you, what would you say? No, no, I'm just, I'm contemplating what you just said. I mean, it's just, there it is. Right. And we talk about like, even in marriage, when man and woman Mm -hmm. come into marriage, it becomes the beauty of marriage is that the way in God's design, it becomes a reflection of God's love to the world. This is what love looks like. Mm -hmm. Yes. Imperfect. Yes. But it is love. It's true, authentic love, and it and and it brings glory to God, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, that's the goal in in your marriage, and my marriage, and everyone's marriages is that this unconditional, this this love that like continues to like pursue each other, and even though we fail, we ask forgiveness, we continue, we commit. It is an image of of God's love to the world. This is what the world needs to see: is God's love. Mm-mm. All right. Well, question number six. I thought that was six. Sorry. No, that was five. Man, I lost count. It's wonderful. Well, that's why I'm here to, okay. keep, to keep count. The bear keeps count. The bear keeps count. Question number six. Uh, believe it or not, in just a couple of days, we're going to have the annual uh, biggest game in the country, the Super Bowl. Oh. And I don't know if you've heard who's in it. I did. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you the obvious question, who's going to win. Mm-hmm. But I'd like you to answer that question within another question. Okay. Uh, why should we care? Why should we care who wins the Super Bowl? Maybe we shouldn't. Now, Tell here's the thing. That. I can say that. But I do want to hear who you think is going to win. I can say that this year because I really don't have a dog in the fight. There's not a team that I like that's mm-hmm. in it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a Kansas City fan. I didn't grow up around there, and I'm not an Eagles fan. I mean, you know, I grew up in, the, in Louisiana. You know, like there's... I have no allegiance, and I really, for a long time, like, I don't even know if I'll watch much of the game. It'll probably be on, and we'll have friends over or whatever, but, like, I'm not interested in the outcome. Like, I really don't. 
but there are a lot of people who who are right. They have allegiance to certain players or teams or whatever. And I can honestly say this is one of the first years like I really do not care who wins. Wow. Do you feel a freedom in that? I do feel a total freedom. I still need you to answer the question. And I hope my wife doesn't listen to this because she's going to be like, well, why are you watching the game if you don't <laughs> care who wins? And like, because football's on. Yeah, I care to watch. I just want to watch, you know, outcome. guys, you know, hit heads. But who's actually going to win? I would say Kansas City's favored. Mm-hmm. You know, they have more of a chance to win, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Eagles pulled it out because they're playing really well. Wow. It's very diplomatic of you. I know, because I don't care. <laughs> if I cared, I would tell you. So, anyway. But we're going to have some friends over and do it. So, <laughs> so Paul's going to win, no matter what. Yeah, I'm going to eat. Paul's going to win. He's going to I'm going to eat. Eat food, have friends. That's a win. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the show, being a part of it on the podcast, on the radio. Um, truly appreciate it. And we will, Paul George and Deacon Bear, be back next week. God bless.